in our country and in the world today is filled with anxiety. Look at some of the events we have coming up and that are already taking place. We know that we have an election next week, and that's always something else in our country. We're tired of hearing all the commercials, <laughs> you know, one side putting down the other side and vice versa, and, you know, comments being made and accusations being made about how terrible this politician is and how good that one is or vice versa. We got all the signs in the front yards uh, as you drive down the street. Too bad we don't run that business that prints uh, political signs. Boy, we can make a million. <laughs> and then all those signs get thrown in the trash. We know we have a war going on in Ukraine right now, the Russians and the Ukrainians. People are worried about whether that's gonna ultimately turn into World War III. And what about China? Are they going to eventually invade Taiwan? And is that gonna turn into World War III? What about inflation? What is it, 10% now or 11% inflation rate? In other words, prices go up by that percentage each year and our money's worth less, what's gonna happen? Are we gonna be able to support ourselves into our golden years? There's also a recession and they think that businesses are gonna slow down now. There's, we've encountered food shortages too, haven't we? Remember when the pandemic hit, and don't forget the pandemic. What's the next pandemic coming down the line? But going to stores at the time and not being able to find the food that you, you needed to buy. Increased crime and violence all over the place. Man, talk about depressing, talk about anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety today. I think one of the, the worst things in it all is the fact that we, you know, people are wondering, is there really more crime today than there was, you know, 20, 30 years ago? Well, we don't know for sure because today we have a 24-hour news coverage on so many news channels on TV, and they're bringing forth news and reports constantly, 24 hours a day. And it didn't used to be like that. You know, there was a certain amount of crime that you heard about, but now it's just constant. And what about the weather channel? You know, when there's no, they like to report bad weather and storms because when they do that, they know people will watch. So it wasn't a real strong hurricane season this year. So what did they do? They started talking about hurricanes of the past and all of the destruction that they brought along. It seems that it all feeds on bad news and fear. It's called Fear-mongering. Uh, fear-mongering fear is deliberately arousing public fear about a particular issue. So, you know, some are saying if people vote this way, the whole country is going to go down. Or those folks are saying, well, if you vote that way, the whole country is lost. So no matter which way you vote, there are people predicting that the country is going to go to pot because of uh, who gets into office. You know, just end it, please. <laughs> Bring it to an end. I can't take any more. I don't know about you. But it's all based on fear. Now, Jesus, on a lot of occasions, told us not to be fearful and not to be anxious. When there's so much it seems to be anxious and fearful about, he encourages us and tells us not to be anxious. So we're going to talk about that today and spend some time in Matthew chapter 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And as we turn there, let's open with prayer. 
Father, you know very well as you look down upon this earth that there's a lot to be fearful about and a lot to be anxious about, yet you give us hope. You want us to be free from anxiety, and we struggle with that sometimes, Father. So in this message today, please encourage us and show us how we can be free from fear, that we can have less anxiety in our lives. So, Father, we know that your word comforts us, so we pray for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As Jesus was speaking at the Sermon on the Mount, we'll pick it up here in Matthew 6 and verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. And we can think, well, Jesus, you haven't been down here. Well, yes, he has, as a matter of fact. He lived, he walked this earth, just as we do, during a very tumultuous time. Uh, in the Middle East, of course, and we know that the Middle East has historically been a troublesome area, as it still is today. They were just talking about fighting going on in the, the uh, place where the temple used to, st- to stand in Jerusalem. It's constant. So Jesus knows what it's all about, to live in an environment of anxiety and fear. But he tells us, nonetheless, don't be worried. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. So don't be anxious, especially with regard to having enough to eat. You know, what if there's a drought? What if there's another pandemic? What if stores shut down? With regard to having enough to eat, drink, and having enough clothes to wear. Now we know that God is our provider. And he encourages us in this message here today. Now, we know that we should be hardworking people. Most of us here have have already retired. But during your life, you were a hardworking person. And you set aside an amount to retire on. And that's, that's wonderful. So we should all be hard workers as Christians to provide for ourselves and our family. Many, as I said, have saved for retirement. And we're reaping the benefits of that now. God wants us to manage our finances, but when money becomes your main goal in life, you cut yourself off from God. You make him the most important rather than making God the most important. And your relationship with God is the most important thing of all, by far. So notice what he says here in Matthew uh, 6, verse 19. We'll back up just a few verses. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust does not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we need to start off with that priority in life, putting God first. You know, before we were called to be Christians, we had a lot of other priorities in life. But once becoming a Christian and a follower of Jesus, our priorities change. And as long as we have God and our relationship with him as our main priority, God promises that everything else is going to fall into place for us. So he says in verse 19, Don't store up these treasures. Let's look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters either. 
Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. So you cannot serve both God and money. So we have chosen to serve God in all that we do. But if you devote yourself to the pursuit of money, to get more to eat, to drink, and to wear, you cannot serve God. So don't be preoccupied with selfish materialism. Rather, be preoccupied with your relationship with God. Trust in Jesus to meet your material needs here on earth. So we know that we're supposed to be hardworking people as Christians, but beyond that, let's let God do his part. He promises to do his part. God knows that food, drink, and clothing are, are important, but keep things in perspective. There are aspects of your life as a son or daughter of God that transcends the physical. It's the spiritual in our relationship with God. That's the priority. You know, David said in Psalm 63, verse 3, I won't turn there, but he said to God, your unfailing love is better to me than life itself. So David had his priorities straight. Psalm 63, 3, he said, your unfailing love, God, is better to me than life itself. So Jesus tells us, don't be anxious about the things that merely sustain physical life. Be concerned first and foremost with your relationship with God. Now he gives us a couple of examples back here in Matthew chapter six. Now in verse 26, so he's telling us to have the right priorities, put God first, store up your treasure in heaven, he says in uh, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So as an example of God's providence, of his watching over us and making sure that we have what we need, he explains that birds don't have a process of storage when it comes to food. You don't see any bird barns or uh, you know, uh, storehouses of food. Now, s squirrels are different. They plant nuts in the ground. <laughs> so they, they have a place to hide them. Birds don't. They eat one day at a time, birds do. And God supplies them one day at a time. And birds are not anxious about it. They have confidence somehow or their instinct that they're going to find food that day. Now, God provides for them. Now, God has different ways of providing for them. Take, for example, Ron Crumbaker. God uses Ron Crumbaker and his bird feeders to provide for the birds. <laughs> I always like to have a nice big bird bath in the backyard. It's still there in November for birds to come and to find water, which they need as well. So God has different ways of providing for the birds, but he provides for the birds. And birds don't have to worry. Birds don't have to build storehouses of uh, seed. They always seem to find what they need because God provides for them. And he says here in verse uh, 26, about the birds of the air, the Father feeds them, are you not much more valuable than they? Now the birds are not children of God, you are. 
Don't you think God has more of a heart and a concern for you than he does for the birds? He doesn't let the birds down. He provides for them. Don't you think he's going to do even more for you? So again, birds are not anxious about it. They're fed day by day by God, one way or the other. Now, if you remember back to the Old Testament, God used a similar example to try to teach ancient Israel the lesson of daily reliance on God. And he taught that by the manna. Remember when Israel came out of Egypt at the time of the Exodus, they grabbed as much food as they could carry with them, but as the days and weeks went on, they crossed the Red Sea and they're crossing the wilderness and all of a sudden their food ran out. And they can't be farming as they go along. They were on their way to the promised land. So as food ran thin, God said, I'm going to provide a miracle. Every morning when you Israelites wake up in the wilderness, you're going to find an edible substance that's going to come down from the sky. And they didn't know what it was. They had never seen it before. And they called it manna, which I think means, what is it? <laughs> okay. But God never failed day by day, providing manna for them to eat. But when he first provided it for them, he said, listen, every morning you come out and you're going to find that manna all over the place. Now, just take enough for that day. Don't try to hoard it or take more because you're fearful that maybe the next day there won't be any. God says, I promise you that it will be there. And he said, furthermore, if you take too much and try to store it, it's going to go bad. It's going to stink. So nobody knows what this was made of, uh, you know, some sort of grain or whatever God provided. It was a miracle food. So sure enough, human nature being what it is, some obeyed, and they took just enough manna for that day, and they were satisfied. They had enough to eat for that whole day. Others got greedy and said, well, you can't be sure. Maybe we better take some and hide it. And they did in their house or their dwelling place or their tent. And sure enough, it went bad, and it stunk. So, you know, as you are walking through the tents of Israel, you can tell who was the greedy person who tried to steal more than they should have, because you could smell it in their tent. Rotting, stinking manna. They didn't trust God. They didn't believe his word. And you know what? Sometimes we fail in that lesson too. We tend to hoard. We just saw an example of that uh, during COVID. Remember when food ran thin and people were sick and people didn't have, you know, couldn't find the groceries because some people were going out and buying large quantities of stuff and hauling it home to be sure that they and their family would have everything that they need. Forget about everybody else. They don't care about everybody else. They would take it and hoard it, and some people did that. So by the time others got to the store, all of the bread was all gone from the shelves. I know, I saw that myself when I went to the store. We have to trust God. I mean, if God provides for the birds, don't you think he's going to provide for you? Of course he is. Of course he is. Don't be anxious about the things that merely sustain life, physical life. Be anxious about God and have your faith. Put your trust and confidence in him because he's not going to let you down. Back here to Matthew chapter 6. 
So we read about the birds and how God takes care of them, and you're much more important to God than birds are. He says in verse 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? You can't. You can't add or take away from the length of your life. Anxiety does you no good. You just make matters worse. And when you have anxiety and fear and worry about things of this life, you are demonstrating a lack of faith in God. And God wants you to have faith and trust in him. Don't forget, that's what faith is all about. Confidence that God is not going to let you down, no matter how bleak the situation looks. He wants us to have that confidence and trust in him. And when we have confidence and trust in him, we will not worry and we will not be anxious. You know, anxiety hurts you. Anxiety can, can ruin your health when you're just worried every day and on edge. Am I gonna have enough to eat? Am I gonna have enough to drink? That tears you up inside. It's like rottenness to the bones, the Bible says. So he doesn't want us to feel that way because when we feel that way, we're demonstrating a lack of faith in God. Let's read on verse 28. He gives another example. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So flowers don't get their beauty by their own effort. Flowers don't have to sit in front of a mirror and kind of primp up and use makeup and comb their hair like we humans do. God created their beauty in them. They don't anxiously work to be beautiful. But we're all beautiful to God. We really are. Flowers and grass are, the word is, ephemeral. Ephemeral means they're short-lived, they're fleeting, they're momentary. Because we know flowers bloom and eventually flowers die. Now some flowers are totally dead and they're not going to grow back, but some Flowers are perennials, and the bulbs are underground, and they will grow back. But God still takes care of them nonetheless. Won't he much more clothe you, because you are not ephemeral. <laughs> he created you. You have his spirit in him. Uh, you are made in his image. Isn't he going to take better care of you than he does even flowers? And look at flowers and all their beauty. So again, verse 30, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So pagans, in other words, unbelievers. You know, we live in a society and in a world where unbelievers who don't know God as their father, like we do, are out searching for all of this stuff and hoarding all of this stuff and putting their priorities in having this stuff. What God is saying here is if you're anxious about many things, you're acting like people who don't know God as their father. 
and therefore you are dishonoring God. Think about that. Sometimes we have to catch ourselves and say, you know, I'm getting carried away with this. <laughs> I'm worried about too much. Maybe I need to shut the TV off a little bit and start, stop watching all of these news reports and, uh, you know, getting myself all bent out of shape, raising my blood pressure. Maybe I just need to back away from some of this stuff and make sure my priorities are where they need to be. If you're anxious about many things, you're acting like people who don't know God as their father, and therefore you are dishonoring God. Turn with me, hold your place, and turn with me there to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Read what Paul said about this, Ephesians 4, verse 17. Ephesians 4, verse 17. Paul says, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Don't live like unbelievers do. You're a believer. <laughs> you have faith and confidence and trust in your God. You don't have to live like people in the world scrambling around with all the fear and frustration that they, they have on a daily basis. So don't any longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. And you know, sometimes when you're out in the midst of shopping and there's a shortage of food, you don't wanna get in the way of these people because they won't stop at any cost to get what they feel they need to have. Even if it means robbing you or uh, doing whatever. So you see, we're different. We're believers. We have faith. We know who God is. We know how much he loves us. You have a father in heaven, a father in heaven, not just a king in heaven, not even just a shepherd in heaven. You have a loving Father in heaven, and He knows you, He knows that you have needs, and He knows what they are. Amen. As Jesus said here in uh, Matthew 7 this time, Matthew 7 beginning in verse 9, Which of you, if he or she has a son that asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, don't forget, he's not just your king or your shepherd in heaven, he's your loving Father in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him. So that's God's attitude toward us. It's a loving relationship. Sometimes we think he's not aware, but he is aware of our needs. Sometimes we think he's not he doesn't know what's going on in our lives. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he knows everything that goes on in your life. So live your life with that knowledge and understanding. Like you really believe it. That we do have a loving God and he's aware of us. He'll do anything that he has to do to see to it that our needs are met. Remember the story of Elijah who was living out in the wilderness area at some time when there was a famine in the land. And what did God do to benefit Elijah? He had birds bring him food when there was no food around. 
he had birds show up carrying food for Elijah. So God can do anything. He can do anything. Don't get bent out of shape about it. Don't get panicked about it. It will, you know, run its course, and God is in control. God is in charge. Now, I'm not saying that with God, we're never going to see any tough times in this world. I don't know if we have, we do have some left here who went through the Great Depression. That was a tough time for everybody, even Christians. Difficult to live, difficult to have a job, difficult to find food at that time. What does that show? The Waltons uh, talk a lot about the, living during the Depression and what life was like. But they always, God always had, had them find their way and take care of their needs. I like what Paul says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. You know, even during the early years of the church, the years of the book of Acts and so on, there are a lot of famines going on in different parts of the country that God's people had to live through. So God doesn't say that just times are going to be rosy all the time if you're a Christian. No, you're going to have to live through tough times. You're going to have to live through pandemics and things like that. Paul says here in uh, Romans 8, verse 35, <clears throat> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, and we will from time to time experience trouble in our lives. Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. So, early Christians as well as Christians throughout history, had to deal with troublesome times from time to time. But God was with them during it. He doesn't say that, and some people still have this thought in mind, that if God does exist, you know, why is there so much trouble in the world? Well, we got a problem with human nature and people who are greedy and selfish and, uh, you know, willing to kill others. So he mentions all these things because Christians have experienced all these things throughout the history of the church. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We live in a violent, deadly society. We're, sometimes because we're Christians, are considered as sheep to be slaughtered, people to be taken advantage of, because, you know, Christians are kind of docile people, and, you know, they don't want to fight or, they're easy marks in this society. He goes on to say, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So in spite of the trials that we face, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus, Christ Jesus our Lord. So suffering has always been a part of the experience of God's people, but suffering does not separate us from the love of God. Amen. It carries us along toward our final destination, which is heaven. We're all heaven bound. So that just as Jesus suffered on this earth, we're going to encounter situations from time to time. But God will be there to help us. I wanted to share an example that Penny shared with me just this morning. She told me about an experience she had this week. And it just kind of shows you what God does 
she was, went to Walmart to go shopping, and when she got out, she loaded all her groceries in the back of her truck, closed the, the lid on the, uh, the bed of the truck, and got in the driver's seat to drive away, and she heard some noise in the back of her truck. And she looked in the rearview mirror, and there was a guy there opening up the back of her truck where the bed is, opening up the cover, <laughs> and she just put all her groceries in there. And, you know, she went out to maybe further investigate, but thankfully, there was a guy in the parking lot who came walking over who saw what happened. And he kind of confronted this guy and said, well, what are you doing? And the guy was a little spaced out and maybe a homeless person or whatever, but it's just the problem was solved. And it's a good thing that that guy was there so Penny didn't have to confront this guy trying to break into her truck. Now, I would ask the question, was this guy an angel? Could have been. Or was it just somebody that God made aware, hey, you need to go over there and check out what's happening here because it looks like this guy's breaking into this woman's truck. And he did that, and the guy went away. But it, again, it's just a reminder of even though we're living in a fallen society and there's more and more crime, and you don't know if this guy was on drugs or what his situation was, Penny said if he would have just said he was hungry and needed some food, Penny would have gotten him some food, <laughs> like any Christian would do. But God provided a help in time of need. Amen. He had this person come along and kind of confront the man so that Penny didn't have to be in danger like that. So the problem was solved, but it's just an example of what God is there to do, even though he doesn't promise right now to remove us from this society and all of its dangers, he is going to provide help when we need it to, to get us by. So that's why we need to be praying every day, because we don't know what we're going to face in any given day in our lives. And a lot of times when that stuff happens, it's out of the blue, unexpected, sudden. And it's good that God is always there and watching and helping. Amen. Turning back here to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 and verse 34. That's why Jesus closes off this segment by saying this. Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not worry. You're my people. I'm your father, God says. You don't have to be anxious. Don't be worried about this kind of stuff. Sure, take the proper precautions. Lock your door at night. Lock your car when you're in it. You know, take the proper precautions, but do not worry about tomorrow. And sometimes we do that too. It's not enough to worry about today. Well, what about tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? You know, he said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So there's going to be trouble of one sort or another in your life every day. But there will also be a sufficient supply of God's grace every day for you to take care of each day's trouble. Amen. So deal with today. Don't be worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month. What happens if this election goes one way or the other? Is the country going to fall apart? Is there going to be World War III? Focus on today. <coughs> there may be some trouble in your life today, 
But there will also be, based on God's promise, a sufficient supply of his grace every day to take care of each day's trouble. One last uh, verse. Well, I won't turn there. But the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 21. This book was a lament. God's people were in captivity. And they were just mourning about their disobedience and where it ended them up conquered by another country, taken to prisoner of war camps in a foreign land. But yet in the midst of that, there was a positive message. That's where we get the the verse, his mercies, talking about God, his mercies are new every morning. God's people still had somewhat of a positive outlook even in, in captivity. And that teaches us the lesson that God's mercies are new every morning. That's what the scripture says, and that's an interesting way of saying that. New every morning. Tomorrow's troubles are not meant to be dealt with by today's grace. Today's grace is for today's troubles. Tomorrow, if troubles come, there'll be tomorrow's grace to handle that. Okay? Every day has sufficient trouble and sufficient grace to see us through. Just like he set Israel up for a day-to-day relationship with him. Come to get your manna today. Don't put it away for tomorrow because it'll be here for you tomorrow too. Trust God on that. Every morning manna will be there so you'll have enough to eat. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This day, we're to pray to God. I'm not worried about next week, Lord. (laughs) I'm worried about today. I have confidence and trust that you're going to help me get by today. No matter what I face, you're going to be there for us. You're going to supply the daily nourishment, the daily bread, what I need today. I count on you to provide that for me. And I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow can worry about itself for now. I'll be back here, Lord, tomorrow to ask you the same thing. Provide for me, Lord, my daily bread today. See, he wants you to come back to him continually, daily. Because when you do that, you are showing God that you trust him on a daily basis. And he he appreciates that. He loves that. He wants you to depend on him. So we can count on God to provide for our needs, protect us from evil, guide us, keep our souls secure for eternity. We may not be able to prevent anxious thoughts from entering our mind, but we can practice the right response. And the right response, one last scripture, Philippians 4, verse 6. So when you are faced with anxieties about your own personal life, about what's happening to our country, what's happening to the world. Remember scriptures like this. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 6, Paul says here, Do not be anxious about anything. Oh, that's easy for you to say, Paul. But Paul faced a lot of trouble in his life as well. So he tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. See, people who are not believers don't understand God's peace. 
How can you be peaceful with all this stuff going on around us? Aren't you afraid that World War III might start tomorrow? No, I'm at peace because uh, God's in charge. And you know what? He's a loving father. You ought to get to know him so you can feel that peace too because I feel peace. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's encouraging. And that's the way I'm trying to feel more like every day. Do I get anxious sometimes? I do. I know you do too. Do I get fearful sometimes? Yeah, maybe. But I'm trying not to because I'm putting my confidence in God. Do I need to use common sense? Lock my door at night. Be careful where I'm driving. Be aware of people around me all the time and any dangers there might be there. Yeah, I need to do that too. But every morning, I pray to God and ask him and count on him to do his part for me. So free from fear, free from anxiety, that's the way God wants us to live. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the message today. In this troubled world in which we live, there's a lot of cause and reason for fear and anxiety. And we would feel that if we didn't know you, if we didn't know you as a loving father, who knows us better than we know ourselves. And furthermore, you know everything in advance that we're going to face that day. Because you've seen it all and you know ahead of time before we do. So, Father, take care of us. We put our confidence and trust in you. And we thank you that we can be called your people and we can call you our God and our Father. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.